have in our parasha, Parashat Talut, quite a striking mythical image. Vayishav Yitzchak vayachpor et be'erot ha'mayim asher chafru b'yemei Avraham aviv ve'astamum flishtim achay mot Avraham v'yikar lehen shemot k'shemot asher kar lehen aviv And Yitzchak dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Avraham his father for the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Avraham. So the Me'or Anayim, Rabbi Nachum, Nachum of Chernobyl, uh, elucidates the significance of that redigging of the well. Uh, and he brings the Pasuk from uh, Yirmiya, from the Prophet, Kishtayim ra'ot asa ami, oti azvu makor mayim chayim. For my people have committed two evils. Me, the fountain of living waters. Sorry, I missed the part. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So he refers there to the divine, to God, as the Makor Maim Chaim, as the source of living waters. And he goes on to say a, a, a translation from a, a beautiful collection, um, a beautiful collection of uh, Hasidic commentaries. I wanted to tell you the name uh, Speaking Torah. The more Anayim continues and he says, Yudhei Vavhe is the source of life, flowing forth into all living beings in every way. There is none but him and all who cleave to him, like we did in our practice, cleaving, dvekut, staying close, staying just with, right with. Oh, cleave to him or attached to the root of life, whose waters never fail. Meaning, when we're inside our experience in this way, when we access the interiority, the energy, which is in any experience, in any sensory event, rather than getting caught up in its content or its pleasantness or unpleasantness, then there's always life there. It's all, it's all, all of life is life, right? That's a tautology. But in our experience, we don't meet it that way. He says, this is true so long as there is no separation on our part. As we mentioned before in the words of James Joyce, living a a short distance from one's body. That's uh, caught up in the stories about rather than the experience of. Whenever we find ourselves caught up in stories, and by the way, I love stories, bedtime stories, other kinds of stories, and sometimes they're very helpful and a beautiful part of life. But other times, they're actually a way that the mind gets caught up uh, in its resistance to experience or in its attachment. Uh, Maybe attachment isn't even a good word. It's uh, lostness. It's grasping onto experience rather than being 
in the fullness of the experience, in the life energy of the experience. That's how we get separated. Or we run away from our experience. It's too intense. It's too unpleasant. Especially when we were we were children and then established patterns that continue with us today. And as soon as uh, we have this beautiful opportunity in our practice when we're constantly with our experience to notice the moment when we're going along, 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 and then we head off in some direction. Maybe anxiety comes up for me or annoyance. And then I'm into stories. I'm into stories about the person who caused me that, and I say that in quotes. The person was maybe a stimulus, but the feelings come from my from my own needs and from within me. And that's that whole episode is a resistance to what's actually here. Rather than abiding with the experience, letting it open itself and unfold, perhaps teach me, perhaps it's come... One of the beautiful ways, and this is one of the central teachings in the school of, of nonviolent communication, is that our feelings always come to, ta- to direct us to our needs, which is an incredibly life-affirming way of being engaged with our inner experience. Whatever I'm experiencing, I give that time, I let myself be with it, really feel it, and then I might ask myself, and what is this, what is this directing to me? What is this directing me towards? What is it that's really important to me here? So in that way, I'm coming more into my experience. I'm not, it's very important, I'm not like analyzing. I'm not thinking about or speculating. I'm actually allowing my experience to divulge itself to me. Such a rich way of being alive. And uh, noticing that moment when we go somewhere else is very important. And especially, you know, for me, especially with the with the unpleasant, the anxiety comes up, or the annoyance, or the anger, or the fear, or whatever it might be. And then usually that's like the, the jumping off point to getting away. And we can check. We can check and see, where where do I feel more alive? Charlotte Joko Beck in her book, uh, Nothing Special, uh, talks about just paying attention to which thoughts... Uh, have aliveness. Most of our thoughts are just patterns. They're old. They've been thought many times. There's not a, a life-giving energy there. Recycled. Yes. Yeah, they're recycled. Yeah. Uh, and so we can pay attention. The more we pay attention to what actually has aliveness to it, the more naturally we'll give that space. And all of the other space will lose its hold on us as we realize, oh, like I can shed that. It's not actually life-serving. The mind and the, and the whole system uh, has a natural inclination, actually, to choose life when we allow that process to happen, when we allow awareness to facilitate that process. So he says, this is true so long as there is no separation on our part. For if our sins come to separate us from the font, the fountain, life itself will disappear from our midst. From God's side, there is no interruption of the flow. That's amazing. 
The flow is always happening. Creation never stops. It happens that we uh, find ourselves in a state of galut, of exile, from that constant flow, from the from the river of life, from the source of the, the living waters. And so our practice is coming back to that. And also developing the resolution of our attention so that even those experiences which feel very thingy, very solid, very static or stagnant, even those can break up and uh, reveal the dynamic energy which is actually what they are. Even our unpleasant experiences are made up of that energy. It's true that we're taught that all that was created in the beginning of creation was light. Everything else thereafter was the reformulation of that original light. That's what we're also learning now in, in modern physics, that's the case. So there's, uh, on, on that level, there is no uh, fundamental distinction between pleasant and unpleasant. They're not different things, they're different valences to experience. And when we get caught up in the kind of like uh, distracting lights that they give off or smells or whatever, then we lose the energy that's in them. So learning to stay with our experience and in this wonderful practice that we did where whatever comes up, that's our experience and we're staying with it, bringing our attention to it, allowing ourselves to be fully with it then we can get closer and closer and more and more open to the energy, which is here in every experience. It's extraordinary. I mean, what does it do? How does your life change when instead of needing to fix everything, you can actually be energized even by anxiety, even by sadness? You can, you can, it can be living waters which irrigate the soil of your soul. It's extraordinary. Only your sins separate, he quotes Ishaya. But one who draws his life from the other side, the broken cisterns that contain only gathered waters, those into which the sparks of life fell at the time of the breakage. That's a little bit of Lurianic Kabbalah that we won't go into at the moment. But if you've ever seen a river and you've seen a whirlpool going around and around at the end, or like a piece of wood, like it just gets stuck there going around and around and around, and then maybe at some point, like, a stronger flow of water comes in, the, and it's like out of the whirlpool and back into the river. And so there's parts of us, right, that just uh, are recycled. Those same energies, same thought patterns, with, uh, ruminating, ruminating, ruminating. There's no, there's no river here. And then maybe if we can bring awareness so that we stop fueling that pattern, then we can open again to to the life force, to the river. Let us bring bring it bring us back into life. The patriarchs opened up the channels of mind or awareness. Notice that word channel, that's also a word of from water, from rivers. Teaching all who were 
to come into the world, how to dig within themselves a spring of living waters, to cleave to their font, the root of their lives. After the death of Abraham, however, the wellsprings of wisdom were sealed, blocked by the Philistines, representing the evil in humans that overtook the world. So it's the... Um, there's parts of ourselves or tendencies which block us off from that well. Usually that happens in the process of growing up. There's a sense that children are totally in the flow of that well, healthy children, playing. And then at some point in adolescence, right? In Hebrew, an adolescent is a na'ar. And that root means a like dissociating, separating. So that's a healthy part of growth. But uh, the healthy continuation of it is a, is a reintegration of individuation with source. So the individual then becomes a particular channel through which the divine uh, effulges into the world, emanates into the world. The lowest of the four elements, earth itself, became the strongest, and the power and spirit of mind were diminished. Then Avram's son Yitzhak came along, following in his father's footsteps. He taught the people of his own generation how to dig again into that living font of waters. He taught this by means of various wonderful and mysterious processes of the mind. Isn't that what we want, to be connected to that well? How is life different for you? when you're connected to your well within and when you're dried up. And it happens that once those wells were living, as they were, they were open, flowing, in the time of Abraham. And then things change. And then Yitzchak comes along and he has to dig them again. So if we find ourselves separated from that, we can trust that the, that the well is still there. It's just that it's become covered up with ground, with solidity. And then our task is to dig or to uh, uncover, to refine, so that it is revealed to us again. And that's... Uh, what we were training in in our practice today. First in the experience of standing opposite another person and mirroring them, micro-movement by micro-movement. And then within our own experience, noticing whatever movement is here for me, wherever my attention is drawn, and following it carefully. And what is carefully? Carefully is full of care. So that's very important. It's not a dry noticing. It's a noticing which is full of care. Oh, feeling. Right, as we said before. Every measure which is meted out to you, meaning every moment of your experience, be very thankful. So what is the quality of attention of being very thankful? Of being touched allowing ourselves to be touched by each moment, 
to let it soften us, to open us, to bring us closer to the font, to the source of the living waters. Or from a different angle, and I encourage, invite, request, to experiment with different qualities of attention. What does it feel like to bring an attention which is full of care? What does it feel like to bring attention which is full of uh, gratitude? What's your experience like to make love to your, to your experience? To be intimate with it, fully present, to allow it to be fully present with you. Knowing it in the biblical sense. And I'll say again the, the verse they quoted before from Yeshayahu. And the earth will be full of a knowing of the divine as the water covers the sea. Think about how richly saturated the soil of the ocean floor is how well covered it is, how, how intimate the water is with the soil. We keep seeing this image of water. Why is that? Water is life-giving. It flows. It finds its way into open places like the flash floods that are happening now in the desert, flowing through the riverbed, where is the open place? There's a kind of organicity to it. It seeps in, it soaks in, it cleans, purifies. And in our practice, when we let go, it's like ice melting into water. That which is frozen melts and comes back to life and discovers its energy, its flexibility, its dynamism rather than being stuck in place. When we stay present and settle rather than constantly grabbing for the pleasant and running away from the unpleasant, then the parts of us which are frozen may begin to emerge happened for me very powerfully this week. A part of myself which appeared as an image, actually, as kind of like char charred wraith of a something, emerged. And as I gave it space, so came tears, also water. And some part of myself, I would like to think, came, came back to life, or at least to some degree was healed, or re reintegrated, at least allowed even to come into consciousness. Who knows you know, where, where it was hiding before and how it was affecting me and, and what I've been missing out on.
so in the, in the warmth of a a loving and an intimate attention we can bring ourselves back into life we can open to the pulsing energy that's in every experience it's quite amazing to be able to just sit or to just walk slowly and delight or savor the intimacy of, of simply being alive without needing some major stimulus to give us access to that. And if that's where we are right now, so then we'll be with that. Maybe we'll be with the frustration or the, or the yearning or the despair. Those are all experiences. I wanted to speak also uh, about Avraham being blessed with Bakol. So we won't go into it now. But the short of it is that Avraham was able to see in the diversity of all of life the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence. It has all different kinds of names, the Gemara says. When it's fowl, it's called a dove. When it's a bird, it's called an eagle, etc. Meaning the Shekhinah is in everything. And what uh, the sages teach us is that was Avraham's capacity is to uh, access that interiority the presence which was in everything and that's our practice as well naming or noticing what's here and then with a carefulness accessing its energy as best we can and perhaps being encouraged and betrayed by the knowledge that the more we practice it, the better and more sensitive we become. Even if we can't notice that right now, that's what's happening over the course of time. So let's sit for another minute. Noticing what's alive in you right now and simply allowing it to be alive in you. Thank you.